This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, Episode 13. I know how to get somebody strong, but there are so many more variables to it than just that. Like we talked about that stress management. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, NSCA Head Strength and Conditioning Coach Scott Caulfield. With me today, Matthew Van Dyke, Associate Director of Sports Performance at the University of Denver. Matt, thanks for being on today. Thanks for having me today, Scott. Really appreciate you guys hooking me up with a room up here at Denver to set up shop today. This is kind of a neat uh, place to be. Yeah, quietest place probably available around our weight room. That's great. Yeah, hopefully uh, if anybody does hear any uh, banging or uh, anything voices in the background we are literally next door to the weight room at the University of Denver so uh, there could be uh, weight room noises in the background but hopefully uh, it'll be fairly quiet so we can do this uh, podcast today good so kind of leading into it I know I talked about we do a little different intro with some of these questions but uh, I'm really interested in finding hearing about what you coaches feel about some different thought processes and different um, kind of situations so here's my first one if you're tasked with starting a new strength conditioning program you've only got a limited budget and you can only pick a few items I'm just arbitrarily picking three things what can what are you gonna start with uh, I personally starting my own weight room I start with a, a barbell um, obviously that is going to allow us to do more of our strength training um, work with that um, paired with uh, dumbbells and then bands and that will give me a range of my full gambit basically of that force velocity curve that we want we can work from basically our super maximal if we're going to do like eccentric or isometric training all the way down through our concentric and then into even accelerated if we utilize those bands appropriately Cool. Yeah, keeping it simple. Again, uh, I love people who just focus on fundamentals and make it super simple. And I think, like you'd probably agree, most uh, most people uh, haven't mastered fundamentals yet, too. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's there's no possible way we can continue to progress if we don't have those fundamentals down. That's great. Um, how about if there was if you had this magic wand that allowed you to eliminate any kind of coaching practice, what would you get rid of? What would you banish from coaching? I think it's more like the the old school I and mean, quote unquote mentality of kind of beating your athletes into the ground. I think it, it comes from both sport coaches and, and a few of the, the strength coaches as well. Uh, but the the idea that we are truly stress managers is going to be how I basically focus on all of our training and understanding the appropriate time that Yes, our athletes should be extremely fatigued and under stress, maybe at the end of the week during an off season, because if they don't ever uh, achieve that, then they're never going to adapt in the manner that we would desire. But then at the same time, how can you transition maybe in season if you have a team that's competing only once a week versus if they're competing twice a week in the middle of the week or the end of the week, how you can manage all of those stressors uh, to ensure that you can still get that optimal performance while keeping them safe on the field. I think that'd kind of be the one thing that I would try and really progress um, everyone in this field to kind of take the approach with. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's so, that's kind of like a hot topic right now too. You know, you've got so many other um, 
whether it be technology or even simple Google Forms or ways of managing this. I think that's a great one to be able to educate, right, your sport coaches about, hey, look at all these other things that we need to think about in the, in the big picture. Uh, that's a great one. Uh, how about if you could choose any three people that you'd want to have dinner with or, uh, you know, pull out to the bar with you, uh, living, dead, or fictional, uh, who would it be? Uh, first one, and I'm, I'm sure this is a popular answer right now, especially in America with American football, but Bill Belichick. Um, just with the few people that I know that have spoken to him, um, luckily our head lacrosse coach here is actually close friends with him. He's a big fan of lacrosse. And um, from what I've heard about him, just his mentality towards uh, training and coaching, I think that would be a really interesting perspective, um, a sport coach that that almost seems to, to get what we were talking about earlier, like the, um, the management of stress and when to push his athletes, but at the same time, knowing when to back off to allow them to compete at that highest level. Uh, secondly, I would say Michael Jordan, um, probably more of just an age thing of where I'm at, but I grew up watching him and, and always seeing him as, as one of the ultimate competitors um, that, that was truly dominant in his sport. Uh, and then finally, third one, I'd probably, and, and based on uh, one, of the, one of my favorite books, but uh, Verkashansky. I think just his mentality of, of training and, and the way that he approached problems is just completely different even than, than I think a lot of us think about training and how he was able to answer or, or put out some of the material that he put out long before there was ever technology really that, that truly backed up everything that he was saying, but the, just the way that he viewed things, I think that it's a mentality that all of us as performance coaches, we talk about being um, evidence-based or things like that. Like how can we take that evidence we're just seeing and continue to progress uh, what we're doing and how we're implementing that with our teams? I think that's a really cool mentality that, that we could adopt. Yeah, nice. No, those, those are good three. I think you and Shaw have been talking a lot because he said Belichick too. We <laughs> talked about that this morning, actually. Yeah, he said, he's like, oh, yeah, I, I, I want to know if that 80% uh, the week before the Super Bowl is really true. Yeah, or not. that so one's. We're going to yeah. have to ask someone else about that one. <laughs> um, yeah, so you hit on stress management a few times. Uh, what do you? How are you guys managing that and or evaluating that here at the University of Denver? Um, so, what we're using here, even technically, Technology-wise, like questionnaires, as we found, is going to be the biggest thing. Um, that that athlete, how they're perceiving the stress, is always going to be uh, a more critical piece uh, to the puzzle than anything else. Uh, for example, we had, and we're also using catapult and heart rate data. Um, so we've kind of combined all three of them, and then we're doing some nervous system testing, um, just some basic um, hands on your hips, counter movement, jump. Um, but what we're seeing is that. It's funny because our pregame practice on Fridays, um, if we're competing on Saturdays for lacrosse, has actually been more intense than a lot of the other days in the week, but our athletes actually rate it lower. Um, and, and it's because it's become kind of a ritual as that's what it is. Um, so. And, and we seem to be at, at least knock on wood at this point doing it competing at a really high level on Saturday so as much as we'd like to back up with the with the science of the catapult the heart rate things like that it's those questionnaires of making sure that your athletes are sleeping making sure that they're eating their appetites aren't changing um, knowing the timing especially in a collegiate setting with finals and exams and that we're on a quarter system here so it's every basically 10 weeks um, um, 
that they're having finals and knowing that when those finals are and understanding that the likelihood of an athlete being injured because the body view stress is stress during those exam times or even every four to five weeks they'll have midterms and and their entire class comes down to basically those two tests and the amount of pressure that that puts those athletes under and understanding how can we change our practice methods for that week or how can we control the variables such as in the weight room and, and the training that they're receiving at that time to ensure that we're keeping our athletes not only performing at a high level but also um, reducing the risk of injury. Yeah, nice. And as a current uh, master's student at the University of Denver, I love the quarter system personally. Um, do you, as a coach, do you prefer it? Is it a better like way to program with your athletes than semesters were? Is it just different? Is it create I, new challenges? I think it's just different. It does create new challenges. And I think really it depends on the timing of the sport. So for us in the spring, um, that means we're going much later than other schools. Um, so the spring sports might be competing at, at NCAAs at the end of the year and they're still in school versus almost every other school in the country is out. Whether that's a positive or a negative because it keeps our kids on a regulated schedule, it, it kind of depends on the individual athlete. Uh, but in the winter, that means we're getting out much earlier than most schools. So it's it's kind of the same thing. It just depends on whether your athlete would prefer to have that more free time or if they enjoy having their strict schedule that they've had for the majority of the season. Yeah, sure. Um, now you guys just won a national championship with lacrosse, right? So yep, guess. that was uh, that was two years ago, actually. Yeah. So. And that your lacrosse coach is kind of a well-renowned, uh, you know, yeah. guru in, in the coaching world. Is there any anything that you pick up from him from all of his success that can be beneficial to a strength conditioning coach? Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and it's funny because I'm the young coach and he's the, the veteran. He's won seven national titles as a coach at this point. Um, and it's a funny story. We were actually scrimmaging at Hopkins a few weeks ago and we were talking when he took the job there and actually won one of them um, as an assistant coach he was also the soccer coach and he took a team that I think had won maybe single digit games and the next year took them to a final four and had never coached soccer before so I think the ability of him to to actually manage just people at this point is is profound and so that's been really exciting but myself being the young coach you come in with your catapult your heart rate all of this information thinking that okay you're gonna you're gonna help progress um, uh, this coach's practice plans and it and it's always interesting because at the end of the year like we we talk and it's like all right I ended up learning more from you than you learned from me because all of these things that I'm going to tell you you already know and because you've been doing this for 40 years and you're already taking it into account uh, but but the the most or the biggest takeaway that that I would say is just the management of people and how um, he can uh, he's been in this business for so long he can read each individual athlete and he knows what they need he knows he, what they need when to basically be more difficult on one versus the kid that maybe isn't prepared to handle that and he can pick up on that so quickly and I think that's a skill that that all of us have to to continue to develop yeah it's just something it, it is acquired over years of coaching now yeah you can't read about it in the book um, well definitely um, so you came to Denver recently not so recently I mean 
uh, tell us a little bit too about uh, you know where you came from, how you how you got here, how you found out about this position, how that all transpired. Yeah, I started. I mean, I started in undergrad as a pre med, and then moved to PT actually, but then. Um, played football at Iowa State under Yancey McKnight and that like the first day I stepped in the weight room I was like I knew I always knew I wanted to be involved in athletics some way but that that was like an eye-opening experience for me and then being under him for four and a half years while I was there um, moving to other internships with Minnesota graduate assistantship with St. Cloud and then moving back to Minnesota full-time. I was only there for a short amount of time, and, it, and it's just one of those things where um, if you're continuing to develop yourself and, and what you're learning and what you're putting out there and how you're separating yourself, um, basically Matt Shaw, the director here now, reached out and was and was basically looking for um, someone to fill the position out here. And I'd been at Minnesota with Cal for long enough that, that it kind of seemed like a, gr- a great opportunity to continue to develop myself in a different manner. Because obviously as we get stuck more around the same people, like they always say, like you're the product of the five people around you. Um, if you're consistently around the same people and learning the same things, um, you're gonna develop that smaller circle that you're kind of stuck in your ways of thinking and and Matt had a lot of the same mentality that that I had with training and that and that Cal has too so so it was a kind of a seamless transition but Matt also like listening to him speak about the three-dimensional movements or the the biomechanics of different things um, like that's a completely different perspective when I come more from the physiology background so that's been amazing to help me develop as a coach too and start to see things even more yeah you guys are doing some really cool stuff up here it's great to see the progression how about um you talked about you had a couple internships iowa state minnesota what what are some key um either must do's or you know is there something that if i'm an intern right now i'm listening to this and i want to be in a position like you someday there's certain things that you absolutely got to do you should got to read this or get this certification or do this course on whatever I mean obviously like you should cover your basics certification wise I think um, and NSCA CSCS is, is an absolute must like for, for the development of a young coach just understanding basics of the body um, as far as reading goes I think it kind of depends on each individual internship that you're at uh, but ultimately it comes down to make the most of, of every opportunity that you have um, like no, regardless of what school you're you're at, you're all going to be tasked with um, different responsibilities, and and whatever responsibility it is, whether it's it's taking out the trash or maybe restocking the fueling station, whatever it is, you have to do the absolute best that you can do at that. Because as you continue to progress and do well with those, you're going to be given more responsibilities, and and that's what's going to lead to to the likelihood of a of a great reference for maybe a graduate assistantship or or a second internship. Because even the internships now like what we deal with are, are pretty cutthroat and and we're having to turn away a lot of people every year and i'm sure it's the same for all internships just because there's so many people interested in what this what this field offers at this point um but but it's just understanding that that it is it is a time-consuming piece as well. Like it's it's tough to balance your your life with with this job at this point. So understand what you're getting into as well, and the work that's required to truly be successful and separate yourself from every other intern that's out there d- d- trying to take that next job. 
Yeah, we've heard that a lot in this profession. It really goes across all professions, right? Making the big time where you're at, whatever it is. If your job is to clean the weight room, that you clean the weight room to the best of the ability. And if your job is to warm up lacrosse, that you're doing that to the best of your ability. So no matter what it is. Um, you talked to, about a couple of the people, you know, who've influenced you. So who, who are some of those uh, coaches that have had the most influence on, in, on you? And you know, how'd you meet them? Um, is there any you know one piece or multiple pieces of uh, instilling wisdom that they've kind of imparted on you I mean my my biggest influences would be Yancey obviously I, I played under him for four and a half years like um, that's where I began to learn the tier system and obviously as a as a young guy leaving playing football there for the those four and a half years it's like you kind of think you have everything down you're like you you know how to make people strong and i think that's one of the biggest mistakes that i made as as a young coach there is that okay like I know how to get somebody strong, but there are so many more variables to it than just that. Like we talked about that stress management. Um, and, and then moving along there, I had I had Cal at Minnesota. Obviously the, the triphasic piece has been huge for, for what I'm doing here. I did my entire thesis on it with rate of force development. Uh, what we what we are training with um, here with Shaw, Shaw runs it as well as, as, well as our um, other assistant here. So we're pretty deep into that system. So he's played a huge role talk to him probably at least four or five times a week still uh, we're chatting on the phone um, and then from there I, when I got here Matt and the and the biomechanics piece and the three-dimensional movement that's something that I had never really um, seen as much I remember on my interview Matt actually gave me uh, a ton of a ton of crap because it was almost entirely sagittal and it was something that I had I'd never really been truly exposed to at a high level in the way that with joint articulation or, or things along that and that and that's his specialty and then sport coach wise obviously coach T here uh, Bill Tierney our lacrosse coach has played a huge role uh, in my development like we talked about with those personal skills and then branching out beyond that um, I always mention uh, Nick Stodholm the chiropractor that we work with that's right down the road um, and, and all of the new like glute layering model stuff that we come up with um, it, it, it's it's taken from a lot of the the material that that he works with us on and how we can ensure that our athletes are are not only strong because it's much more than that but are they functioning properly um and that's the three-dimensional movement and and do they have the ability to recruit the appropriate muscles for appropriate movements uh so those would probably be my my biggest influences at this point and and ultimately the the biggest takeaway for me is that for us nothing is ever set in stone like there there might be a moment like we do it um we do a lot of auto regulation in season for our kids to to manage their stress and if they come in and you have a plan and and we do a little bit of that jump testing to see where they're at and maybe that they sneak under your radar and they look like they're better than they're going to be at first and, and we ended up doing this last monday actually and they came in and it, and it was much they were much slower in their speed movements than we expected um and being able to throw up the stop sign and say all right we're going to change this up right now like we were going to do this put it all away we're going to this method now to make sure that we can go perform and i think that that comes from a, a really solid understanding obviously of what you want out of the session but at the same time being able to to put your ego away and say all right i was wrong we need to do this today and then being able to quick tell everyone that say hey we're going to change this up and we're going to go to this 
That's awesome. Yeah, I think <clears throat> strength and conditioning coaches, uh, you know, being able to have that flexibility, it's a yeah. huge piece to, to, and you have to learn to be like that, right? Because I think, I know when I was beginning too, it'd be like, nope, this is what's on the sheet today. This is what we're doing. Yeah. Like, God, I can't not do that, right? Because whatever, I won't get X that I thought I was going to do. Yeah. At the end of the day, change it up, you probably get a better benefit. Uh, that's great. Um, talked a little bit about um, your network these people you still talk to uh, how how do you build a network how do you keep networking as you grow as you become farther along in this career how do you keep this keep meeting people yeah I think I think a lot of it comes down to your initial experiences like the the majority of the people I guess I shouldn't say the majority, but a lot of people that I meet are due to other coaches I've worked in the past. So whether um, as like the five strength coaches that I had when I was at Iowa State have now branched off and they're at, I believe, five different schools. And all the interns that I had uh, that that I worked with, that I was an intern with at Iowa State after I was done playing, um, have transitioned to other schools. So staying in contact with all of them. And I think I think that's where your time management and understanding how important your network is truly to this profession comes into play uh, because occasionally I'll shoot some guys I haven't heard from in a while just a brief text be like hey how are things going and like that's one way to just make sure because that you're staying in contact with them like touching base as much as possible maybe it's somebody's wedding that you guys are all back together with but then that network slowly starts to branch out more and more and all of a sudden they have three or four guys that they say hey you should talk to this guy and then it branches further from there uh, for me personally as well, running my own website has has opened a lot of opportunities there. Um, that's a lot of work, but it does allow me when um, I'm writing articles for that or whatever else I'm writing for uh, to receive email questions from that and, um, and then continue to bounce ideas back and forth because maybe what I had written originally, someone has a better idea and they've already implemented it and then we can go back and like change what, what I'm implementing. Uh, to make sure that that we're continuing to progress this field as much as possible. That's great. Uh, that's a great point, and especially the way technology is advancing. Uh, chances to learn, having websites, a huge uh, way to share information. You also just wrote an article for an SCA coach. Uh, tell us a little bit about. Uh, first, tell us a little bit about the article. And I'll ask you a couple other questions. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just finished um, an article about an exercise selection for the sport of, of lacrosse and we did um what we call the jot matrix here uh coined by gary gray actually originally what is what is it is is a double leg hop to a single leg landing and we'll go forward uh laterally and also rotationally to hit all three planes of motion um that can ensure that that glue is firing obviously in those three planes of motion required but you can also progress to covering greater distances greater height and as you do that you're going to be applying more force into the ground obviously to cover that distance so you get an aspect of rate of force development and then also that single leg landing in each plane um, is, a, is a great tool um, to train uh, rate of force acceptance obviously if your ability to accept that load or force um, on the field is reduced uh, then, then you're at a higher likelihood for an injury because your body can't decelerate appropriately uh, so that's a that's just one of the aspects we use to to increase basically body awareness proprioception in all three planes while also hitting that rate of force development and rate of force acceptance cool very interesting stuff is that out currently or is it coming out soon i think 
Um, I think it came out in, in February. Okay. So excellent. So uh, people can look for that. Um, how hard was it to write that article or was it not hard at all? Um, it writing for a journal does have, have its, um, difficulties because everything needs to be cited. Obviously, if I'm writing an article for my website, I'm not going to, going to go into the um, as much in-depth citation of every little thing um, to make sure. Uh, but but overall, it's it's really not extremely difficult. Like it, as long as you have an idea of where you're going, and whenever I start anything like that, it's always lay out an outline. Um, the NSC was great. Um, I had. Um, I can't think, I can't remember who it was that was helping me out, but um, they, they helped me out as far as anytime I needed guidance as to what I needed to change. Um, they got back to me within the next day, uh, basically to make sure that I was giving them what they needed, but also I was getting basically what I had to say written appropriately. Cool. Yeah, it's definitely a different, different style of writing. Um, do you think, is that something you'd recommend, like for people who are out there maybe listening to this and they've got an idea or something they do, you know, is that, should we recommend other coaches get into that? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and that's one of the main methods that, that I use, obviously, with through the website, things like that. Like, um, I end up writing quite a bit, but it's, it's a tremendous method to uh, ensure that you can explain the methods that you're using with your athletes. So anytime that I come up with a new idea, I have tons of stuff written down that probably I won't ever produce in in any manner but it's just a way when i try something new i'm gonna basically write it out and try and explain it to another coach so that say when i'm talking to my athletes i can explain it in the most efficient clear method possible that way um, we can work on that buy-in if because if our athletes understand why we're doing all of these weird jump to hop things that we're doing or whether it's the eccentric methods or isometric whatever it is um, why we're progressing in the manner that we are and then um, where it's going but then they can also see how it works for them on the field yeah that's great i uh, i'm writing a article for NSC coach as well on a topic called coaching philosophy and uh, I've been presenting on it at a d different state clinics and whatnot and like just from like you just said though but from the process of writing this every time I talk about it and these presentations that gets better and better yeah. because I'm used to talking about it differently and Hopefully, if uh, Dr. Garrity ever finally gives me the green light uh, as my as the editor on this article, he's crushing me on it right now. <laughs> but uh, hopefully, it's going to be done you know, this year. So we're working on that still. <laughs> um, and another point too, I think, which you can probably attest to, is whenever I've written an article for whatever it might be, um, people have then reached out to me that read it and wanted to talk more shop or people I may not have known before and that's built my network from that position. Absolutely, absolutely. Cool. How about, um, talk a little bit about, is there some, do you, do you think there is a such thing as an expert in, in this field and if there is, you know, how, how does someone become an expert? Um, I don't know if there's quote unquote the ability to really say an expert. There are so many facets of what we do and, and truly so little that we understand about the body. Like we, we understand how different um, 
basically methods implemented can can lead to certain adaptations but viewing the body as that holistic approach i think we still understand so little about truly what we're doing um like the training that we're implementing and the effects that it has on the body as a whole uh but but if yeah if we're gonna say expert i would say it goes back to to what we just talked about like being able to explain um every aspect that you're using efficiently to to the point where your sport coach can understand it and then um your um, athletes can understand it and then taking all of that and prioritizing that into a a full systematic uh training program to that's ultimately going to lead to improved performance reduced injury for what that athlete requires on the field i think that's um that's going to be who who's going to really dis, be displayed as an expert, especially to your athletes and your coaches that, that are going to be working with you every day because they know what you're doing and why you're doing it and then how that's going to help them. Oh, that's great. I like that a lot. Um, how about kind of talking more, too, about professional paths and professionalism what kind of roadblocks are there to watch out for as you're a coach and you're up and coming uh, for yourself you know like as a so we don't burn out or you know whatever yeah i think i think roadblock is is always going to be like the the work to personal life ratio and and entering knowing the understanding or having the understanding uh excuse me that that is going to be different than a normal nine to five job or something along those lines. Like, like your significant other is going to have to understand at some point, like this, this is not a nine to five. Like there are going to be early mornings. There are going to be late nights. There's going to be weekends. I mean, we're in here pretty much seven days a week, um, at least for a couple of hours a day, whether it just be a kid needs a little extra work on something or post game recovery, whatever it is. Um, so that's one aspect, and I think I think we can come over overcome that um, with with a lot of understanding of time management and time efficiency. So whenever like looking at my daily schedule, I know, um, especially being in the collegiate setting, um, I'm gonna have some early morning teams. I'm gonna have kind of a larger break, maybe a mid morning team, and then I'm gonna have afternoon teams. And it's going to be how can I plan out um, days that I need to meet with my sport coaches to make sure we're on the same page about what's going on. Um, which which to a at a higher level it's going to happen almost daily like we're talking every day to make sure hey how's this guy doing how's this guy or female athlete how's she doing making sure that we're giving them everything that they need um and then knowing their schedules to fit into yours with that free time that you have and then also whatever remaining time you have what are you doing for your continuing education um and and a lot of times this goes back to depending on the setting that you're in are you getting stuck in your own niche like obviously here we have three strength coaches that are full-time plus two fellows plus right now we have five interns so we have a pretty full staff um, and and we don't have football so we we have a reduced number of athletes now we do have a few other sports that are larger in scale um, but how are we managing our time effectively basically and making sure that we're not all getting stuck going in the same 
same we want to be going in the same overall direction but not everyone down the exact same path because then we get stuck in that and i think that's a huge roadblock if you're at one university um and i don't, I don't want to say too long because if you're in a great spot then obviously you should stay there um, but you don't want to get stuck in your ways and and always be looking for maybe a slightly different method to to still gain the same um maybe adaptations or changes within your athletes that you're looking for yeah, yeah i think what's the thing that, that makes me think of is like the difference between having uh 15 years of experience or having one year of experience repeated 15 times yeah right? exactly about uh are there any common myths or misconceptions about being a collegiate strength and conditioning coach um I think I think the most common one is people outside of athletics. Um, I think that it, they kind of view what we do as um, a personal trainer, and and not to knock on that, but I think that's just a different end goal. Like we're looking at performance factors for a specific individual or group of individu individuals that are playing a team or individual sport, um, and like the that people think that oh you okay you get people strong, and and like we talked about when we started this. I think our profession is so much more than just getting people strong. Like the idea of progressive overload in a linear fashion. I, I mean, pretty much anybody like your, your basic gym rat can figure that out. And that's not what we should be striving for. We're, we're looking at the, the body as a, as a whole and how can we manage everything that we're giving it to it to ensure that, that, um, that they can, perform optimally come season time or can you gain the adaptations that you want in that systematic manner in the off season um, I think secondly um, it's the idea that 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 we're going to have the nine to five work lifestyle i think some people um think that they can become and quote unquote expert in this field or highly regarded um and put in the minimum time and it's like you're like you're not going to be able to do that it, it this to to learn all of the aspects that are required all of those different facets it's going to require years and years and, and i'm an extremely young strength coach like i've only been full-time now for two years and i had a year and a half of ga experience before that but every strength coach that i've talked to that's been in the field for 10 plus years that has um, coached at a high level or they're highly regarded will say it the first 10 years are an absolute grind like to to get your systems in place to continue to progress and then it just builds from there because once you get those those fundamentals down that you're truly viewing as important those foundational pieces now you're starting to branch off into all these different categories and all of those require the same amount of time that you spent on those fundamentals so i i think that that understanding when you enter this it's it's if you're efficient it it makes it easier but regardless if you're efficient or not how scheduled your day is you're still it requires an immense amount of time and concentration to be um viewed as quote unquote one of those experts in this field it's a time commitment to to be if you want to be the best and i think the people with the high uh 
work ethic and just commitment to excellence like you guys uh you know just from talking to you again today you, you see the, the dedication that you're going to put into it and it's not going to be like work right for the yeah. most part it's, you don't consider it work at the end of the that's day. what yeah like we were, we were talking to somebody with with a regular uh, nine to five job the other day and and i was just like you know like it's long hours and they're like oh yeah i can remember like my kid was in athletics in college and like sometimes they were there really early and sometimes they were there really late and i was like yeah imagine that now but if you're the coach for those teams you're there early and late for every team but but ultimately like it it never feels like work like that's what's so awesome about this profession like we're not stuck in a cubicle or you're stuck in one spot like you're moving every day you're getting to uh, develop um young younger or developing athletes even at the college level like this is the next step into full adulthood and how not only are you preparing them for the field but how are you preparing them for life like the lessons that we're teaching and and it sounds really cliche but that hard work dedication that the one that we talk about here is the attention to little details um, and understanding how those little details are going to basically progress into a, a bigger picture uh, for you as you work through the season or as you work through life and I think I think that's what I enjoy most about college is that it's more about development I mean yeah yeah we're here to to win games win national titles here at Denver um, but in the long run like a lot of our athletes are going to have the opportunity to go make a living off of their sport they're not going to play professional we don't have football i would say probably hockey is our biggest one where they can go on and truly make a living even lacrosse like there isn't a developed professional league yet that an athlete can solely rely on that income so it's how are we preparing them to go um continue to progress themselves in in life after they're done here and I kind of have an idea what you might lead into with this one, but then what's the number one reason that you think people fail uh, to become a college strength coach? I would say in college, it's the, it's the time management. I really do. I think that um, the more efficient you can become um, and what you're doing, whether that be like taking the time up front to create a program, um, like an Excel program that you have your drop downs with your names that they regulate your max numbers, or, or if you don't give individual sheets out to your athletes, it's how can you make, um, spend the time on the front end to, uh, to make all of those. And then once you get it in place, um, you can take, um, it takes very little time to get even like for my lacrosse guys, I have, I think I have 49 athletes right now um, that are training and we have at one point basically five to six different training programs going on at once and I build those out obviously early on like before we start the cycle based off of what we've done before um, and then from there as long as you have your drop downs you can change your sheet and get somebody's name in there very quickly and and then make sure that obviously you're coaching them through it um, and, and luckily we have a big enough staff here that we can do that but um, but just taking the time yeah managing efficiently throughout the day that way when you do get the chance maybe say like if I'm here for lacrosse practice until 6 30 at night like we meet after we're after we're done with practice um, I don't have to sit there and program for another two hours that night so I'm here until nine that way I can get home and actually have more of a uh, a life outside of work when I get that opportunity oh that's great it's a great point and it's not like um you have to do that from scratch there's so much you know whether it's a template or to reaching out to different coaches you can you have those resources if you want to find absolutely them. absolutely 
Great, man. Well, I really appreciate you being on uh, today with us on the podcast. How about uh, you mention the website? How can people reach you if they want to follow up with you after they heard what you had to say today? Uh, best is email, honestly. Uh, my email is Matthew uh, with two T's, M-A-T-T-H-E-W dot K dot Van Dyke at gmail.com that'll be the the easiest way excellent well again appreciate it man thanks a lot i'm sure i'll see you soon yes you will yes you will thanks thank you this was the nsca's coaching podcast the national strength and conditioning association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information resources and help advance the profession serving coaches for over 40 years the nsca is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals be sure to join us next time